Hello and welcome to Changing Birth. I'm your host, Hannah Wilsmore. I'm a midwife, award-winning childbirth educator and life coach, and I'm here to make birth better. I've worked with hundreds of families as they prepare for the arrival of their baby, so I know all about the highs, the lows, and everything in between. In this podcast, I share my knowledge, practical tips and insights so that you too can have a positive birth and transition to motherhood. Let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode of the podcast. Today I am going to be chatting about some common breastfeeding myths and I'm going to be debunking three of the most common myths that I hear around breastfeeding. I'm going to stick to three myths because there are a lot out there, but I want this to be a really uh, short, practical podcast episode that you can easily listen to and hopefully can provide you with some evidence-based and up-to-date information. And so what actually prompted me to have this as a uh, podcast topic and to record this episode was a discussion that I had with a mum during the week. Um, it was just someone that I ran I ran into um, and uh, she said, oh, I follow your Instagram page. And we just got chatting and um, we were just talking about something and, and something that she said, I thought, oh, I'm not sure if she knows about this. And that's one of the myths that we will talk about later on in today's episode. And she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe yeah, I didn't know this. I've been wasting so much time that I didn't need to. And no one had told me this. And and I, it got me thinking about some of these myths that we hear um, with breastfeeding. And as a lactation consultant, as an IBCLC, it is something that I find a bit frustrating because there's so much poor information out there um, around breastfeeding. And then that can really impact someone's journey as well um, and can sometimes derail things a little bit, which is not really what we want, of course. So yes, today's episode is debunking the top three myths that I hear around breastfeeding. So myth number one is that if you've had low milk supply with one baby, you'll never be able to breastfeed. It will always be a problem even with subsequent babies. And this is just not true. It's just not the case. Something pretty amazing happens each time we are pregnant. Our breast tissue kind of develops again. So what I mean by that is that your body essentially grows more of the tissue to help produce the milk. And that's something where if someone has had insufficient milk supply in, say, a previous pregnancy, um, it may be different purely based on how their body changes with another pregnancy. It also may be different because of the circumstances as well. We know that um, lots of interventions in birth can impact breastfeeding and sometimes there's not great support around breastfeeding and things like um, sometimes if we are introducing formula with a mum that's breastfeeding um, and then her body's not getting as much stimulation, as many messages to create enough milk, sometimes that can uh, start to impact their supply. So there's so many variables and so many factors that may impact um, milk supply for somebody. It might be um, related to the birth. It might be related to the early breastfeeding experience. Maybe there was some separation between mum and baby, or maybe baby needed some medical treatment and they weren't able to go to the breast for a few days, uh, something like that. It might be to do with baby. It might be that they have a tongue tie that is impacting feeding and their ability to feed well and to stimulate the breast and to remove milk. And milk removal is one of the, the key factors in 
building and maintaining a milk supply. But even if someone had the exact same circumstances from one birth and postpartum journey to the next, their breastfeeding experience may be quite different. And particularly if they had low milk supply, this may not actually be an issue. Like I said, our body will actually make more of that milk-making tissue uh, with each pregnancy, which I just find pretty fascinating and, and pretty incredible. Of course, if you have experienced low milk supply in your journey previously, uh, it's really something that a lactation consultant can help with. We can help you to create a plan, look at maybe some of those factors that may have impacted your breastfeeding journey first time around, create a plan for how we can hopefully avoid those factors again, what we can do to maximize your, your chance of having a positive breastfeeding experience. Um, and then put a plan in place. And also, of course, then that support afterwards uh, as well with with feeding. While I'm on the topic of low milk supply, I do just want to remind you that one of the most common reasons for people to stop breastfeeding, especially in the first six weeks, is perceived low milk supply. So a true low milk supply where someone isn't actually making enough milk for their baby is much less common than we think. And unfortunately, a lot of people do have that extra stress or that extra worry thinking that they don't have enough milk when they actually very well may. So if you do have any concerns about breastfeeding and your supply in particular, then it's a great idea to touch base with a really good lactation consultant who can then provide you with with support and hopefully some reassurance that actually everything is going beautifully and your baby is thriving and gaining enough milk um, and all of those things that we want to see uh, as mums, but of course, as also as um, health professionals. Okay, so on to myth number two. Myth number two is that there are no benefits to breastfeeding beyond 12 months. And this is, again, um, a discussion that I've had with lots of clients and I've had with lots of friends who are maybe feeling pressure to wean from breastfeeding because their baby is 12 months of age. And we know that breastfeeding, no matter how long someone breastfeeds for, there are there are benefits to that. And I also want to preface this by saying that the decision to stop breastfeeding is one that I think can only be made by each mum. And there can often be these external influences um, and and these pressures and, and other people's ideas. But at the end of the day, in my eyes, the best time to stop breastfeeding is when you feel done and you feel ready and you feel like, yep, this is when we want to stop. And that's going to be different for everybody. I also don't feel like someone should continue breastfeeding if it's not working for them, if it's not something they want to keep doing. So I just wanted to start by chatting about the origins, I guess, of where this started from. Um, and of course, we don't know exactly, but I have a few theories as to where this idea comes from. Um, we know that breastfeeding just in general is not super normalized in our society, um, which is a real shame. But I think where people are more familiar and more comfortable with breastfeeding and seeing babies breastfeeding is when they are small and when they're babies. I think sometimes people think that our breastfeeding is just for babies. And so 
there can sometimes be comments from people or th- or things said about, um, well, when they can ask for it, then it's time to stop. Or if they're running around and walking, then it's time to stop. They're not a baby anymore. So I think it's that perception that breastfeeding is just for babies. But really, that's not the case, especially globally. You know, we, we know in other countries that when babies actually wean from breastfeeding, the average around the world, I believe, is somewhere between about two and a half to seven years of age. And of course, that's a, that's a big range, but even two and a half right at the bottom end of that range is longer than I think um, in Australia, longer than I think people think a baby will breastfeed for. So I think that's part of it. I think also um, a lot of people that I'm working with will be returning to work when their baby's around 12 months of age. So sometimes we can think that we have to stop breastfeeding if we're going back to work or if our baby is going into care or childcare are going to be looked after by family. And again, um, that's not uh, the case. We can look at plans for pumping at work. A baby of that age um, as well may be really well established on solids. Babies of that age are quite adaptable. And so you may actually find that if you're working a couple of days of week, uh, you may only need to pump once or depending on your baby and how they're feeding, you may actually not need to pump in the day. Um, and your baby as well, if they're established on solids and they're you know having water through the day through a straw cup and or an open cup and and those kind of things, Um, it's very different to thinking about how often a baby will feed when they're younger. So going back to work definitely doesn't need to be a barrier to stopping feeding. And sometimes people will also say, well, my baby's not really interested. They just have these really short feeds and then they're getting on with their day. And it's, again, quite common for them to have shorter feeds, to be really efficient at removing milk. They can actually gain a lot of nutrition and um, quite a lot of milk in, in those short feeds um, throughout the day. So they're still getting something even if they're having shorter feeds. If we look at some of the official recommendations around how long to breastfeed a baby for, the World Health Organization recommends that children are breastfed for at least two years. And in Australia, our NHMRC, so that's our National Health and Medical Research Council, recommends that breastfeeding continue once solids have been introduced for as long as mother and baby desire. So, yeah, I think it's good to know that sort of uh, professional or organisational recommendation as well. And one of my favourite facts is actually around how much nutrition breastfeeding can provide a toddler. So I'm going to read you some really cool information, or I think it's really cool, around how much nutrition breastfeeding can actually provide a toddler. So if we are breastfeeding a toddler, it can provide 29% of their daily energy needs, so their caloric needs, 43% of their protein requirements, 75% of their vitamin A requirements, 60% of their vitamin C requirements, 76% of their folate requirements, 94% of their vitamin B12 requirements, and 36% of their calcium requirements. And that is actually quite big numbers, right? Breast milk, um, this whole idea that it's, it's not nutritious after 12 months is just bullshit, to be honest. It's just not true. Um, and if you look at that, that can still provide them with so many different nutrients in conjunction with the solid food that they are eating. And I haven't even gone into the immune benefits um, as well in that time. But something else that I want to point out is that as a baby decreases the number of feeds that they 
take and potentially the breast milk volume may and will likely across time decrease as well. Um, they actually have a there's actually a higher concentration of immune benefiting factors in that milk. So even if they're having a smaller volume of milk, those immune protective and beneficial factors are actually concentrated in that milk. Isn't that just amazing? It just I know I'm a lactation consultant and I know I'm into this stuff, but I just think it's so incredible what our bodies can do. And I've also just focused on a lot of the kind of nutritional um, and physical benefits, but there's also the emotional side of things as well. Uh, often if kids are sick, they will generally still keep up their breast milk intake, so they're getting a really great hydrating fluid with lots of important nutrients and vitamins and minerals and calories if they're unwell. Breastfeeding can be such a great parenting tool, can help to soothe the baby if they're upset or if they're hurt or if they're in pain with teething. Um, and yeah, it can just be a nice way for you and your baby to slow down and have a little breather in the day. I know that I do notice that I'm with my son now. He is nearly one and he's a busy guy. He's crawling everywhere. He's nearly walking. And in the day, actually, sitting down or laying down, we often feed side lying, is a great little rest for me and a little reset um, and also for him um, as well. And it's a really, it's a nice thing. Um, and for us, I've spoken about this before on social media, but um, I don't have any super tight plans of how long I'm going to breastfeed for or how long I'd like to breastfeed for. My First goal was to get to six months of exclusive breastfeeding and then to a year, and I really wanted to make a year. Um, I am definitely aiming for at least two years. That's my goal in line with the World Health Organization recommendations. But uh, at two years, it's not that then I'm definitely going to stop. I will see how things are going. Um, he may self-wean at that point as well, and, and that is completely fine. Um, at this point in time, I think if he is wanting to continue feeding and it's working for me, it's working for us, I think I, I, I will plan to to continue for longer. How long? I do not know. Um, I don't want to put a time frame on it because I think it's something that will be reassessed um, at the time as well. And I just want to point out here as well, it is really important to look after yourself. Breastfeeding still has massive demands on our body. So make sure you stay hydrated, make sure you're eating well, fueling yourself well. Um, breastfeeding a toddler, you know, they are active. It comes with its own set of challenges. Um, it comes with its own set of frustrations sometimes as well. So if you are out there breastfeeding a toddler, I see you and I, you know, applaud you for the job that you're doing because it is not easy, especially with that societal pressure to wean. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I am cheering you on here from the sidelines because it is an incredible thing that you are doing. Alrighty. So then, uh, Third and final myth, this is actually the one that I was talking to this mum about during the week, and this is that the myth that you need to sterilise bottles and pumping equipment if you are exclusively breastfeeding and giving breast milk. And this is actually not true. If you are breastfeeding, if baby isn't having any formula or artificial feeds, they are only ever having breast milk from you or they're having breast milk from a bottle. There's no, no, you know, formula in the mix. There's no mixed feeding. Then you don't actually have to sterilize your bottles and your pumping equipment. And 
I don't know how many people I've spoken to who didn't know this. And I think maybe, maybe as midwives, we need to talk about it more, more earlier in, in the day. If someone is starting pumping, um, I think what's probably happening is maybe people aren't pumping in that first six weeks because, you know, that we, we generally want to just allow your body's supply and demand uh, process to to work. And so we often, unless it's medically indicated or someone wants to for a particular reason, we would usually recommend not pumping for that first um, six to eight weeks while supply really regulates and establishes. So I'm not sure if maybe um, it's the time where someone starts pumping where maybe they're not seeing their midwife anymore. So there's not really anyone to say, hey, you don't actually have to sterilize all of that. Um, there might be, I think also maybe marketing, you know, we see these sterilizers and these, you know, UV sterilizers and all different kind of ways to sterilize bottles. And we just assume that all bottles have to be sterilized. Um, whereas in reality, it's actually only when we are giving formula that we need to be sterilizing those bottles. And that is really important. Um, breast milk has a lot of antibacterial, antimicrobial properties to it. And so it doesn't grow bacteria uh, very quickly at all. Whereas formula um, is, is kind of the opposite. It can grow bacteria quite quickly. So it is really important if we are giving formula to be sterilizing all of our bottles. Um, that is that is important. And I want to make sure that I do point that out. But if we are just using breast milk or breastfeeding, what you can do after you've finished pumping or after you've given your baby a bottle, rinse it off and then wash it in hot soapy water. So yes, hot water, soapy water, put some, you know, dish detergent in there, um, wash it off, give it a rinse in some hot water and let it air dry. And that is adequate. So once it's air dried, you can pop your pump parts back together and then you're good to go for your next pumping session. So I don't know about you, but um, that is something where I think it has surprised a lot of people. Again, uh, we've talked about where this has come from a little bit. I think it maybe is that overlap um, with formula feeding that, yes, we absolutely do need to sterilize. And so I think maybe that assumption has just been made for when we're giving breast milk as well, but um, it is not the case. So if you are a pumping mum out there, whether you're exclusively pumping or you're pumping and feeding directly at the breast, hopefully that myth busting has helped you. And again, just another little note on that topic that sometimes it may be recommended. So maybe if baby is unwell or premature or if there is um, an infection in the breast or, or something like that, there may be specific advice given to you that you do need to sterilize your pumping equipment and the bottles that you're giving to baby. So just want to point out that in some situations it may be needed, but for the majority of people, if their baby is full term and well and they are well um, and there's no other concerns, then we don't need to be sterilizing pumping equipment. The Australian Breastfeeding Association has a really great article on how to clean expressing equipment. If you just Google Australian Breastfeeding Association cleaning expressing equipment, you'll be able to find that. Uh, I'll also pop the link in the show notes as well. Um, and they also talk about for those mums that are pumping regularly throughout the day. Um, we also have the option of storing the pumping equipment in the fridge, which means that we generally just rinse it off with cold water and pop it in a sealed closed container or a plastic bag and then popping that in the fridge between each pumping session. So that's another option. Um, and then we do a good clean once a day. So just something else to consider if you are someone that's pumping quite regularly throughout the day. 
So that brings us to the end of the episode. I hope you found it helpful. I think it's really important to challenge some of these myths around breastfeeding and to really promote providing accurate information because this is what supports breastfeeding mums and this is what helps them to have a more positive and a more successful breastfeeding journey. I would love to hear from you and to hear about your experience with these myths, maybe some myths that you've heard or other myths that you would like me to provide some information on. You're always welcome to send me an email or you can send me a message on Instagram. My handle is Hannah Willsmore Midwife. I would love to hear from you and love to chat with you there. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to follow and to subscribe. And if you have a spare moment, if you can leave a review for the podcast, it helps others to be able to find our podcast and to benefit from this information as well. to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes and if you're enjoying the podcast I would be ever so grateful if you could rate and review on your favorite podcast player see you next week